Welcome to What Would Ani Say podcast, where three Ani share the challenges, joys, and everything in between growing up as Korean females in Canada, with the hope to connect and empower the next generation of Korean Canadian female leaders. Hosted by TK, Yuna Lee, and Ellie Hong. Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to What Would Oni Say podcast, episode three. So happy and so grateful to have you tuning in here, because today we're about to have a really meaningful conversation. Um, we're talking about the concept of living and integration as Korean Canadian woman. So the Oni's felt that, especially as we were growing up, this was something that we put a lot of like effort and thought into navigating. Through because like there were some values that were instilled within our like Korean culture and family upbringing, and then at times like that seemed to be in contrast with or in conflict with Canadian um, cultural values, and so like in our workplaces and in our um, our schools growing up, we kind of like had to look at what that would mean for us and kind of integrate the both. And so, to kick this off, um, can you, TK, speak to what kind of family and culture values were kind of important or emphasized for you growing up, and if you saw something different in a North American culture? Yeah, for sure. So, as I talked about um, on episode one, I immigrated to Canada when I was in grade five or six, and growing up, you know. I'm still part of the Korean family, so a lot of the values that were instilled in me uh, were very much from my parents and growing up in a Korean household. And I think anyone who grew up in an Asian household can testify that there are some similar cultural values that are instilled in us when we're growing up. So you know, those values might include you know make sure that you're doing well in school, so being academically driven, and you have to produce you know the best results. Having you know very hard work ethic. So sometimes, like I would hear you know my parents talking about like you know put your head down and work hard and you'll get rewarded for like all of the effort that you put into something. Um, so I think looking back and even talking to my other you know Asian friends, I think we can all testify that those are overarching values that you know we kind of grew up with, and. Just speaking on my family, my parents were very supportive, and I would say those values were instilled in me because they showed them by example. So, you know, my parents have you know extremely hard work ethic. Um, they're super optimistic. They were they're they're super smart, um, and they you know try to do everything the best they can. So, a lot of the values that I have now, um, obviously, they're from my parents, and they've been very supportive throughout my journey here, and you know, being immigrated to Canada and growing up here. But at the same time, my parents were never really, you know, aggressive to force me to uh, follow those values or instill those values in me. I think it was more so myself having um, higher expectations for myself. So. Um, you know those values are great because you know they really ground you. They you know they help to kind of discipline you and they kind of you know center you for who you are. But I think having the higher expectations on myself really um, amplified uh, kind of another level of perfectionism and almost like imposter syndrome. So like my, if my parents 
you know, expectations were like, let's say 50%. I think I try to push it to 100% myself. And I think that really um, put a lot of pressure on me, but it was, it was by me, from me. <laughs> um, and then growing up in a Canadian society, um, I would say most of my life, one thing that I noticed was, and I realized now is it's okay to stop and smell the roses. It's okay to, in, to enjoy the moment. It's okay to, you know, experience other things outside of school, your academics, your extracurricular activities. Like there are so many other things that you can enjoy in that moment of time. And it's okay to take a step back and reflect and enjoy what you currently have or what you're doing. So, um, that's something that I learned along the way, I would say, you know, starting in university and, and up till now. And if I could go back, I think I would probably redo high school or probably redo junior high just to take a moment, you know, go out, you know, hang out with friends and enjoy the time at that moment. Um, so I would say those are kind of the differences that I've observed and, and um, experienced, you know, growing up in a Korean household and living in a Canadian society. Yeah, and for myself, um, I would echo like similar sentiments uh, to TK. I mean, ac being academically strong, as we know, in a lot of Korean families are, are heavily stressed. And how um, this was like carried out in my family was my mom would constantly share like stories of like family's daughters or, or friends that she knew be like, oh, did you know like this person got to so-and-so school? Um, so it was not like directly like you need to get great marks, but it was like it was put on that pedestal of like, oh, look at this daughter. She's performing so well academically. And this was something that was like desirable. Um, and then hard work ethic, um, because my parents like worked at a business. Um, they worked a lot. So it was kind of like just seeing how long they worked and how hard they worked to like settle in um, to Canada when, when we moved here. So it made me kind of want to work just as hard. And um, I think the value or Korean value of obedience, um, I remember getting like, you know, um, yelled at quite a bit for like questioning um, what my parents would say or like if I did talk back or anything like that, that was like really like not allowed in my family and it wasn't really encouraged. So that was like um, something that was heavily stressed. And um, the big one, <laughs> this one caused uh, me quite a lot of headache, is like knowing what someone wants you to do before like they tell you. So like the nunchi, I never really got, was good at nunchi. <laughs> so like my parents would just like get mad at me. Like I remember growing up and I would just be so confused. I like be like, why are you mad at me? And they'll be like, well, you should have like kind of like read in between the lines and already known this and this. And I was just like, not i was such a confused child i was like i don't understand why you're yelling at me or like why you're upset so um nunchi like was like big and it was something that my mom expected from me but i don't know if i like fully met those expectations of always having like the nunchi <laughs> um and i would say another value that was quite stressed was like male dominance so like my father always had the last say like i remember when it came to decisions uh, my dad would always like have the last day in the family. Um, he would need to like eat first and we would have dinner. So it was always like very stressed that he was like the power holder in the family. 
Um, and then I think the last value that was really stressed is like that competitive nature. Uh, even with like me and my younger brother, it was like, who can eat like all the food the fastest, you know, like so you can get most of the food um, out of the meal. It's like kind of who can get the uh, worm first, like who could work the hardest, like that kind of competitive mindset. And I would say this is like in contrast to like what I experienced in kind of North American or Canadian uh, values, which is like this whole idea of like, you don't really need nunchi is like kind of like very direct. If you want something, you just say it. Uh, so it's like, this was like very um, difficult for me to like adapt to having those like two different like values. Cause I was like, oh, like in a group setting, I just have to like say it. I don't have to like read like what a group member will say. So I think that was a huge difference. Um, I think in American or Canadian society, I think this whole idea of like being well-rounded uh, was more heavily stressed than like, you know, working really, really hard academically. It was this whole idea of like, you need to be good at sports. You need to be like really good like person, um, have really good social life. So that was really stressed. And this kind of overall feeling that you'll be taken care of even though you don't get all the work like done or like you're you're not the most productive person but you'll still be like taken care of um and i think in north american um society as well um this whole idea of like i think questioning and stuff and that kind of dialogue was like really um encouraged in a different way than i felt like in growing up in a korean <laughs> family um so so yeah and i think um how this manifested for me in my life was just a lot of confusion i was just like a confused child i was like i don't understand uh, when my parents would get mad at me and then when i would talk to my canadian friends about it they'd be like why are they mad at you like you should just ask them this and then when i did that my dad just got angry so i was like okay that strategy does not work so um it was just like a little bit of confusion navigating that and i think in terms of like um being taught like the hard work ethic at home and then also being and then going into Canadian society and then having that not be emphasized as a value with among my Canadian friends what would how that would manifest in my life is that I would just kind of like almost like downplay how hard I worked like I would work really really hard but maybe let's say I studied like six hours for something I'll be like oh yeah like I barely did any work or I, I would kind of like downplay how hard I work to kind of like fit in with the Canadian culture so that's just how some of the I guess the conflicting values <laughs> manifested in my life um how about you Yuna? Well, yeah, well, I'm really glad that you shared, like, all that stuff about Nunchi, because, like, I, like, yes. really resonate with that, and I think a lot of us, like, do. We're told so that, like, confused. you don't have Nunchi. Like. <laughs> I'd be so frustrated. I remember having this conversation with my parents. I'd be like, can you just, like, tell me, like, directly what you yeah. want? <laughs> and yeah. it just, like, never worked out. They'd be like, you should just know. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know how I know. <laughs> it's just, like, magically. Yeah, yes. definitely. So that was one thing that I really, like, thought was um, so funny because, like, I could see myself in that totally. Um, I guess speaking a little bit more, like, about my experience growing up, like, it definitely echo the sentiments um, that TK and Ellie, like, shared in terms of, like, academic excellence and kind of, like, hard work and always, like, being kind of at the top of your game. Um, and I think I can also kind of add another layer to that maybe was like this idea that I shouldn't really show like my vulnerabilities or like my like imperfections, so to say. Mm -hmm. 
so i think for me that was like a big thing growing up is like oh like you should always be like put together and like you should also like appear happy and positive and calm and you know all of this kind of like internal stuff so like i feel like i always like have um have had like all these like feelings inside but then like on the outside i would not really like show it and i think also something that my parents like never really like directly like pressured me to like have but i think it's just something that i like picked up from you know just like watching how they um like tend to interact like with their co-workers or like family friends or like different things um like in different contexts and yeah i think it's something that um like i struggled with a lot because like i kind of naturally like learn to like model that um but then showing up with that kind of um mindset and that kind of i guess like output in canadian culture and like school and society it was like i think that made me very like unrelatable like from like my friends or like sometimes like my coworkers because they would be like oh like you're not showing any vulnerability so like how can i kind of connect with you that's kind of like the i guess the feeling that i got um and then i feel like i was kind of um feeling closed off for like a really long time and then i kind of learned um i think slowly like oh like it's okay to like show that i'm imperfect it's okay to show my vulnerability and then I think that actually resulted in me having like a lot more sort of like rich uh, friendships and relationships like because of that. Yeah, I could totally relate with that. And I remember like for the longest time, similar to you, you know, like I would not share like the bad parts or like the more like vulnerable parts because you wanted to always have that facade of like perfection and everything's okay. And I remember like learning about like reading like Brene Brown's book on like the power of vulnerability and I was like oh like vulnerability is now framed as a good thing it's actually something that makes you get closer to other people and I had like a I remember having that like light bulb moment of like oh like because like growing up in a Korean society or Korean family it was actually shown modeled not directly said but modeled that vulnerability was a negative thing like you never show feelings like you never show like I remember like my dad like I never saw him like cry but like once you know when his like a family member passed away but like it was just like you don't show anything and it's like this idea um that is really mirrored in the Korean family um and thank you so much for sharing that but uh but like yeah it's so true yeah and you know like when you brought up you know, being and appearing to be perfect. I think as you know, you and Ellie mentioned, it's so prevalent. It's so normal, I think, in in like the Korean society even. Like when we go to Korea, it's just like everything seems so rosy and so perfect. Everybody just looks perfect too. Like how they dress, how they, you know, do their makeup or how they walk or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, like I totally echo that. Like I would say that still to this day (laughs) as i told you girls before i try my best to show like obviously the best version of myself to people around me um but i'm still kind of in the process of um showing my my side of being vulnerable um to to you guys and to uh, like you know friends and family but in a way that's not to 
um, it's not too aggressive, like, almost like I want to show my vulnerability or my thoughts or share my experiences or what I'm going through in a way that, you know, I feel comfortable sharing, first of all, um, but also I'm sharing it to people that would accept and embrace, you know, the things that I'm sharing. So obviously I share with you guys, but it's it's a learning process, I think, um, just growing up trying to be trying to come off as being perfect yeah absolutely yeah no um totally totally a, a learning process for sure and like um you mentioned something uh earlier there tk about like you know the korean society and of perfection and it just uh something came to mind about like how you, we know that korea is like you know plastic surgery capital you know and this whole idea of like perfect marks perfect face perfect skin um and how that perpetuates and how that's like passed on even to us in like media right like yes we get it from like our parents and like from that but if you look at like korean dramas or korean music and like kind of that idea of perfection um, that's really like modeled as like a value that you want to have or something that you want to achieve um, and it's just kind of having that conversation of like at what cost yeah totally like I think that makes so much sense and the word that like came to me a little bit earlier what as I was listening to you guys speak was like um, like chaemyeon I don't know like if you guys like know that word like chaemyeon it's kind of like how you appear to the other i don't know what it's called like mm. saving face saving face like that's i think the okay word yeah because i was like yeah. what are you trying to say <laughs> what's that <Sorry>. word <laughs> yeah like saving face and like kind of that is i guess like kind of a, a tangent on uh, appearing perfect and not really like um like letting your vulnerabilities show um but then i also thought about um like a time where i kind of like let that guard down like with someone really close and it's, it was actually with um with ellie here that like i shared something that was like so like i was so worried that like i was gonna be judged like very heavily and like i actually judged myself very heavily on it and i like just kind of like came to her with it and she later on like shared that you know like um actually like because of what you shared like i actually think you're so much more interesting and you're like so much more you know like relatable and i feel like i you know really know you and like i had like a really positive response from like being very vulnerable so i think that was one of like the pivotal moments actually where i really gave myself like permission or I guess like it was almost like a permission from an outside world but it, it was really something that i needed to give myself um to be more vulnerable with like some of my less perfect parts yeah so i think just even listening to like all of our stories it sounds like you know growing up in a korean household we had let's say like similar values because of our parents and growing up in a korean household but in a canadian society and we talked about how, you know, we needed to be super smart, you know, get the good grades, have the hard work, work ethic and appear to be perfect. And, you know, everything's rosy and everything else and how, you know, adjusting to the Canadian society, we are learning how to be vulnerable and it's okay to vocalize your thoughts and your actions and share some of the challenges with other people. And we're kind of learning that as we go. So just kind of wondering, like, 
maybe I'll start with you, Yuna, because you kind of ended off the comment there. But, you know, looking back at the Korean values that were instilled in you and then a lot of the Canadian values that you observed and and learned kind of throughout your journey here, you know, how did you integrate the both like values together to define the values that work for you? And like, how did you get to that point? Like what works for you now? Um, well, that's a really great question. It was like a moment to moment thing for me, I think. Um, and I found over time that like, I have this kind of a guiding, almost like a compass, like within myself. And this was like, not always like finely tuned, but it's something that I learned to like fine tune over time, I think. And so it was really um, just deciding for myself, like which value is going to serve me in like this situation or in this moment and what am I going to keep and what can I, you know, kind of afford to put aside for now. Um, and that has been kind of an adaptive process for me, I think. And I think one of the big ones that came up for me is, um, is really exerting like my opinions and independence over my family's views because like as a Korean child growing up, like being obedient was like really highly emphasized. So like that meant that you were a good girl and that you listened to your parents, like you didn't let them down. Um, and you kind of did what was best like for the family. Um, and then with the North American values or like Canadian values, I think really independence was um, like heavily um, emphasized for me. And like I really saw that as something that I wanted to have and struggled um, in that sort of endeavor. So I think like for me, it was sitting in that discomfort of like going against the grain and just kind of being like asking like my internal compass like is this okay is this serving me um where is this going to bring me how can i be sort of more flexible and agile in this moment to like not completely fit into this value of like looking out for the family and looking out for their sort of greater good before my own um and then another sort of voice in my head that was telling me that's not really what i wanted and i wanted something else and i wanted to speak up and um, i wanted to go for something else that was different so yeah it was really kind of specific in um, getting more specific in getting to know what I know so like to know when I'm in tune with myself and then when I'm out of tune with myself then to kind of go back to that place with myself to be like okay like how do I like go from here yeah um and and for me um I think for me how I integrated my Korean values and North American values is really how I process like productivity and like what that means to me. Um, so I think for the longest time, like growing up, I used to associate a lot of my productivity with my worth um, because it was just so stressed in my family. Um, and it's also was like positive reinforced, right? So you would get good marks or you would work hard and then you would get that gold star or you would get that like dopamine rush of like, oh wow, like that's something that's desirable to, to keep doing. Um, so, you know, I would have these like crazy like 
um, emotional dips, um, so to speak, when um, I would have a day that wasn't quote unquote as productive or like up to what my extremely high standards of productivity um, are. And um, I remember, yeah, like I, I struggled with this all through like probably till about university days of like associating that. And, you know, it wasn't a change that happened overnight, like kind of deassociating these two things. Um, I kind of want to use the analogy of a bricklayer. It was like kind of like brick by brick, um, kind of like unpacking like the deeper layers of like, why did I associate that? Where did that come from? Kind of getting a little bit curious and journaling and asking questions and just having conversations with, with friends or, or close members around me. And um, in that process, you know, really changing maybe perhaps some of the limiting beliefs that's come from these values that might be instilled of like yeah if you don't like that predominant belief that <laughs> if you're not productive then you're not of a worth or you're not um you know it's not like any time you're spending that's not productive it's not of value to society therefore you shouldn't do it um and you know and and then there's the north american value which um was like that whole idea of being more balanced and being a little bit more well-rounded and taking time for rest. And I slowly am more there now um, because um, of doing a little bit of work on those like limiting beliefs. And now realizing, you know, if you take some time off, uh, this is really good um, for your mental health and you'll actually be more productive on the times that you're off. And also realizing that, you know, um, you are defined by more <laughs> than your output um, and kind of really rooting into things that are a little bit more like deeper and less like performance based. So I think how I've navigated this is kind of being a little bit more in tune with my gut, kind of checking in and realizing like we weren't put here to like feel guilty and bad all the time. Um, so if I have like a couple days where I feel like that, I kind of start getting curious and I'm like, okay, like why do I feel like this? Like, is this, is this the emotion that's like, you know, for the longest time, I used to think these feelings of guilt and like, like these horrible feelings when I wasn't productive was actually good because I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to push me to be like more productive. But when I got really curious, I was like, oh, actually, <laughs> um, it just makes me binge on Korean dramas and eat a bunch of like ice cream. Like it's not it's not it's not good to feel <laughs> um, those emotions that are associated with like not being productive. Um, and yeah, kind of really addressing that limiting belief that not being productive um, equals like a moral failing of sorts and instead like replacing it with like that belief of like rest is good. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how, um, and it's still a work in progress, you know, and that's something I want to stress uh, is like, you know, I'm not 100% there. It's always um, a work in progress, but it's something that looking back and like, oh, I wish I like knew that or I had a little bit more insight into that because I think I would have cut down on a lot more suffering, um, quite honestly. And, um, and yeah. How about how about you guys? Yeah, so I completely agree on like the whole guilt factor right? or that feeling. It's like you think no one else is guilty and you're the only one going through I, it. And then when you start talking about it, you're like, no, everyone's going through it. Literally this. everyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like that one Saturday at like 2 p.m. or something, you're just like sitting on the couch and you're just like, am I supposed to be just resting? <laughs> <laughs> like something feels off. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I, I completely agree with you on that one. And um, I think we talked about this before too, Ellie. I think just just having similar values and having like very high expectations of ourselves, you know, pushed us to feel guilty, like when we should be taking time off to, you know, relax and, you know, take a moment to breathe. Um, and so I think for me, like, integrating my Korean values with my Canadian values and, you know, defining values for myself, I just going back to, you know, describing, you know, that intense level of perfectionism that I had, I, I would say like growing up, like I was never, I I was never my own like best, like best friend. Um, I would say like I was my, you know, biggest critic. Um, and I was very pessimistic about myself and my talents. So similar to you, Ellie, like having the limiting beliefs on, on yourself. So I think over time with age, I think it just kind of came as well. But um, I learned to be less hard on myself and it's okay to lower my expectations a little bit. Um, and it really took some time for me to um, embrace myself as a as a friend and try to be like my own best friend versus being like my biggest critic or biggest competitor. Like I would say like I am never competitive with other people per se. I was always competitive with myself and my expectations. So if I wanted A plus and I only got an A, like I'll be so mad because I'm not meeting that A plus expectation that I had of myself. So um, it took a while um, to learn to be, it's okay to be less hard, it's okay you know, A is still good, you know, having expectations for yourself, but like not super high to a point where your your mental health is not great, first of all. Um, you're always chasing that intense perfectionism all the time and being super productive, whatever it is, like it's not good for you. Um, so I think the aha moment that I had was when I turned 25, I started work. It's been, I think, a few years since I started work and I had this quarter life crisis <laughs> and I was like this is not good for me so I decided to go to Japan for two weeks by myself so it was my first solo trip overseas I do not speak Japanese I did not buy data <laughs> so I was literally wandering around Japan like not knowing where to go um, but that two week time I was the best for me because it really provided me the opportunity to reflect back on my journey so far and ask myself a lot of hard questions while I'm eating udon and like eating like a lot of good Japanese food just being like am I happy with myself right now like am I happy living like this like will I be happy like five to ten years from now um and the answer was no so I was like well I should do something about that and the big thing was like, I need to change how I view myself and I need to be less hard on myself and um, be my best friend. So that really was an aha moment for me. And I love that trip and I would still do a solo trip in a heartbeat. I highly recommend to anyone. Um, but I would say still to this day, it's, you know, it's still ongoing. So progress is progress. So I feel like where I was before and where I'm now, there's a vast difference, which I'm very happy about. But um, yeah, it's still, you know, work in progress, but I'm happy with the journey that it has been so far. 
Yeah, and I love like that story of you going on a solo trip. Like that's just so completely. Oh, just like listening to it is like so. I don't know, like liberating, like and especially like during COVID, we're reminiscing like about travel times and you know all those like epiphanies that you can have when you're in a new place in a by yourself, especially and just experiencing everything like new for the first time as opposed to like in the everyday like like you know flow of things. Yeah, so I think that's really amazing that you share that with our audience. Yeah, and I just want to say like, echoing what TK said, solo trips are the best. I think I did like a three-week solo trip to Costa Rica. And it's just like when you're by yourself, you just learn so much about yourself. And you don't have like, uh, you, you almost can like redefine yourself. You can like strip yourself from all the values that were like put on you growing up. And you can be like, I'm in a new country. Like I can embrace different values. I can be whoever I want. And I think that gives you kind of freedom to really explore and see like, what sticks and what really resonates with you because you're outside of that environment. Um, and it's just, you learn so much uh, about yourself because you don't have that cacophony of voices uh, around you, kind of like telling you how you should think or how you should behave. And it's just like one way or one tool I know I've personally used to just learn more about myself. And it's not to say traveling with friends is like not is a bad thing because you do learn about yourself in that way too. But I think yeah but i definitely think like traveling by yourself you definitely learn a deeper level of insight by yourself because you're spending a lot more time by yourself so is this to say like this is like the secret sauce to life is like to go on solo <laughs> trips can we just say like, this is it <laughs> i mean like is it definitely but, like no tools. data like nothing. yeah no you're data is key by yourself <laughs> okay i get this well you know what i've not taken that kind of a solo trip uh, by myself I would say I have been on a solo trip where I was kind of like by myself for like three days as part of a bigger trip and I definitely had like a taste of that where I could be like more myself and more free to be like what I wanted to be um, but I did have data so maybe I don't know <laughs> maybe that's something that I forgot in the secret sauce but um you know something that I'm really excited about like now looking forward is like going on a solo trip that I've planned after you know learning this from you guys that I will take without data yes and <laughs> let's Super see what comes out exciting. of that so when you said secret sauce I instantly thought like solo traveling is like the gochujang in your bibimbap <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's so appropriate. But it's so true, though. It's so true. Um, I, also, because like when you're traveling and you come across something, like you only have yourself. So when you yes. were in a situation, like I went to I from Tokyo, I was trying to go to Odaiba or something. Yeah, I think it's called Odaiba, and I had to take this train. But when I got on the train everything was in Japanese and I didn't know which station I had to get off. So I was like, okay, what would I do now? Um, so when you go through situations like that, you get to learn so much about like how you think, how you react to things. Um, so yeah, definitely recommend doing a solo trip to anyone who wants to 
find themselves um, and learn a little bit more about themselves as well. Yeah, and like totally, if you like make a mistake, you have like no one else to blame but yourself. <laughs> like if you get stranded because you forgot to like look up directions or something, like it's like okay, well that was a learning experience, and you learn like really fast, and you can't use the excuse of like oh like my travel partner didn't do that. It's like no, it's all on you. <laughs> That is such a good point because I think like self responsibility is something that is like really something that you um, it's like one of the ingredients that I think is really pivotal to like you learning more about yourself and kind of being more like your own person because like you accept that everything that you do like has an impact that you know comes back to you and you're the one that's responsible for it so therefore you have to change your actions if you want different results. Yeah, and it's like it's just really empowering, right? It's just like, you know, um, yeah, that responsibility. Um, you know, when you first hear it, you're like, oh, responsibility. But like, actually, it's like the opposite. It's actually very empowering because you know, like, okay, like I um, make the decisions, and there's a direct impact on the decisions I make, and then you can quickly calibrate because you learn fast in the real world whether something works or not, right? So. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say definitely like highly recommend go travel, like take a solo trip. And like looking back, I wish I took more trips by myself. Like the only notable solo trip that I took was to Japan. So, you know, if I were to go back to like high school or even university, like if I were to give my past self like one advice on like, what I would do differently or like try to do this like I would highly recommend myself like back in the day to like go take the time to enjoy and like learn new experiences because those experiences will definitely like help you grow how about you Ellie um yeah for me I think if I could go back in time and like just speak to my past self I would be like value joy like that's the word that comes to me and I see it like the importance of it more now but back then it was like no valuing the high mark was all I cared about but now it's like no value joy and like what gives you joy like really pay attention to that and explore like that idea of exploring and figuring it out like what makes the what, what kind of gives you like goosebumps like what kind of um, gives you that um, smile or that rush of uh, endorphins um, and you know stop focusing so much on like checking everything on your to-do list and more like being mindful and present and you know a lot of this came through part experience but also like learning because I'm also like where is the evidence <laughs> and learning a lot about like the research and stuff behind it um, I remember watching this one TED talk and it was about a researcher and it was like a Harvard study that they did and they were looking at like what really makes an impact on like your longevity is it like your how much money you make is it like what career you go into like what is it like what is that secret sauce quote unquote and they found across the board when they followed a lot of these Harvard graduates throughout the um, throughout their whole lifetime it was actually the quality of their relationships the quality of their relationships made the biggest impact on their longevity and like well-being and that just speaks volumes it's like we as a society we have these values and especially as Korean <laughs> um, women we have these values like work hard get those high marks but like if you step back and look at that big picture you're like 
it's really like relationships and like what brings us joy and and relationships do bring a lot of lot of joy um and you know working hard is i guess a means to like form maybe better relationships through serving and helping um but like realizing like that was the end goal i wish like someone had told me because i think growing up i was very tunnel vision and very like you know no i need to get to this but i never asked myself growing up like what next like okay so if i get that like what is that all for um and i guess it's hard to ask like those deep questions because you don't have all the information but i think that's one thing i i definitely wish wish i knew that's actually so interesting um, about how quality of your relationships matter the most because like I just thought back on you know my high school days and my university days and yeah for sure like I don't remember all the days that I was in the library like working hard like writing notes and trying to finish essays and assignments and stuff like I remember like chilling with my friends in the cafeteria and you know working with my friends university on building like a sponsorship booklet to like go to companies to like sponsor our club and like doing you know Sundays at school you know maybe with like case competitions and prepping for those and those hours and like memories that I have with them and the relationships that I built like I built with them um in high school or university like those stick out like I don't really you know, those moments of me writing exams or, you know, getting good grades or, you know, being in the library for eight hours, like those don't really stand out if I look back. So that definitely makes sense. So I, I guess, you know, like if you were to go back to high school or even university, like, would you do something different? Like, what would you tell your past self? Yeah, I think um, like listening to you guys like speak about like that, um, like the next thing and the next thing like that just like brought something to my mind. And I think like if I were to go back, I would tell like my past self, like stop focusing so much on like how you appear to other people, like stop focusing on like what you think other people like see and start focusing on how you feel and just get really clear on like what you want to feel and have a lot of different experiences so that you can kind of like experiment with yourself, like throw yourself into like different situations and like learn from that, like about what makes you happy, like joy and what makes you feel connected and what do you want more of um, and what do you want, you know, what do you want less of? And I think that would have allowed me to like grow like so much, uh, like closer with myself I think um instead of you know like kind of focusing on like what other people think isn't really like hasn't really uh, been fruitful when I look back and I feel like there was a lot of like time and energy kind of like being I don't I don't like to say this but I do feel like like the energy and the time was wasted like from my mental space um and I do wish that I was like more free from that earlier on in the journey so that I can find something more meaningful. Like, yeah, I think that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. And like definitely looking back, like the amount of time, like to your point about like caring less about what people think, like social media, right? Like the amount of time and oh, energy yeah. I would spend on social media back then. Um, I wish I could tell my past self, like, you know, 
you don't need to spend that much time. <laughs> um, it doesn't really make a difference at the end um, is what I wish I told myself because um, again, like as we know with like Instagram and a lot of those things, like people tend to portray like that perfect image. Um, look at the influencers, right? Look at um, like people don't write on their Instagram. I had a very depressing day and like, post a picture of like a gray cloud like people post like you know their vacations or like their 10 out of 10 experiences and I think this kind of like warps your version of reality of like oh like I should be like that 24 7 um and then I'm gonna try to fabricate my life to kind of fit that even though like that's not realistic um but like growing up I think it's hard because like you're, you have obviously your parents generation that didn't have maybe those same um, exposure to like social media and those same like constant b bombardment I would like to say of like needing to have like perfection all throughout the day and, um, and, and and portraying that you didn't even get a break you know growing up when you came home it's like no now you got to post like what you ate for dinner um, you know so it was just this uh, constant um, barrage of like um, kind of portraying um, your life as like better than it is <laughs> and that I just want to say like it's okay <laughs> um, to not have that because that's, that's not like realistic and it's almost like a false reality I would say yeah and I think like I would even it's some it's a reminder that I like to tell myself like even here and the now you know like every once in a while I do need that reminder because it's something that you know has been I think like no one's really like truly for free from it maybe like as human beings we do care about like what what other people think and how we are portrayed but like just spending so much energy on that isn't um ultimately for or it hasn't been ultimately like for my best benefit and having that realization like it's easier to go back to that reminder so that's just what i wanted to reiterate that like you know it's not like oh i don't care anymore about what other people think i'm totally free no it's not like that but um it has been you know something that made a really big change for me i think like a turning point yeah i think it's like navigating that balance of like okay like what is societally acceptable but then it's also like being true and living in integrity with yourself and not compromising like who you are just so that other people can like see you in a way that you want them to see you and at the end of the day this is like so much energy because <laughs> you're gonna get tired <laughs> um trying to uh maybe portray that facade because it's not really you and it's just easier to just be you um and then just portray who you are and then and then the people that will be attracted to that will be attracted versus constantly having to you know keep up that uh facade of like maybe perhaps how you want other people to perceive you to be yeah and i think that's where a lot of like anxiety comes from like in everyday life is like mm -hmm. co that constant like worrying about those kinds of things and spending like your energy expenditure like kind of being heavily allotted to that and like falling into kind of like that thought um black hole that is hard to get out of and you know like there's that saying that like if you are living too much in the future you're in you know you're that's anxiety manifesting and if you live too much in the past like that's depression manifesting the joy and your life um can only be found like in the present moment 
So that's something that I heard, and I was like, wow, like that's so profound. Like that speaks like you know truth to me. So yeah, that's what that's what um, was reminded when you were talking about that. Totally, I remember hearing that, and I was like, that's capital T for truth. I was like, that yeah, <laughs> that is T. truth, capital T, uh, because I was like, yeah, it's like the the whole um, practices uh, of being exposed to like meditation and mindfulness and this whole idea of like being present. Because I think when you are present, you have you invite more joy and you you end up focusing less of what people care about because you're you're in the present, you're in your body, you're in your soul, you're in your gut, you're in your mind. Like everything is aligned. Um, I think when you're more present versus your mind being off somewhere else and then your body being present <laughs> and um or like your body's just a vehicle for your mind but your mind's just like somewhere else <laughs> um so so yeah i totally uh, resonate with that you know yeah and like just hearing what you you're saying and just kind of like looking back you know we're, we're trying to live like that integrated life right and to to live in a present moment so for me like the whole integrated life that I'm living, I would describe it as, it sounds so funny, like people are going to laugh, but um, almost like a chameleon, <laughs> but with a purpose. I don't know how actual chameleons think, but <laughs> I would like to describe it as being a chameleon with purpose. So for me, what that is, is like adjusting to certain situations or an environment depending on you know what it is. But you know, having that self-awareness and having that true understanding of who you are and what your values are. So for me, it's like my integrated values from my Korean family, living in a Canadian society, uh, a mix of what works for me um, that I believe in. And then if you have, you know, really good self-awareness and you have your values, you know, grounded, um, basically like not letting the world or others like around you push you around to a point where um you don't know where you stand and like they try to um kind of make you forget or challenge your values that have been you know that you identified as you know your true values so that's kind of you know what you know integrated life means for me and then also like enjoying the the present moment right now yeah um thanks for sharing that tk uh i would say for myself um living that integ uh, integrated life really i think of like a symphony of like you know different sounds so like my mind would be one sound my body my gut my soul and all of those sounds need to like harmonize <laughs> and that's kind of what i think of that idea of living an integrated life and um to kind of break those components down further when i think of uh the mind i think the mind is often very influenced by culture of our values our korean values our canadian values um so i think the mind is the one that we really need to like bring back because it's the one that's like maybe like not as integrated <laughs> for a lot of people where it's like you know your parents or different voices and your mind's like rationalizing even though you feel like okay like this is not the right choice for me so mind um body like so just being aware i, I like actually um 
there's studies done on this and if you're not like if you're if you're actually telling a lie your body actually becomes like weaker <laughs> and when you're when you're telling truth your body actually becomes stronger so there's actually like a physical manifestation of like if you're living in integrity versus not um, it has a physical effect and i do actually strongly believe that if you live a life like constantly not in integrity it can lead to like illness and it can lead to like you know dysfunctions in your body so like tuning in to like where am i holding tension that mind body connection if you're stressed parts of your body will tense up and just like really leaning into that um and then your gut and your soul so like what is like that gut feeling telling you like that that uh it's just feel it deep in your stomach like you know does this feel right and i kind of um how I tune into that is like, is this draining my energy or is it like lifting my energy? Can I come out of that experience? And I'm like, oh wow, like I feel uplifted by the experience. Is something that um, elevated me or is this something that I'm coming out of? And I'm like, oh my God, like I need like two days to recover from that experience because it was so draining and it just felt really wrong in my body. Uh, but you can't really like rationalize why. So I think when your mind, body, gut slash like, you know, soul are really, um, working together in that symphony um i think this is what it means to like live in that truth and um and this comes like it takes work i think i think it takes work in like um holding space for that and allowing for rest <laughs> um that whole idea of like not being go 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 and productive all the time because if you don't have time for rest and that stillness how do you know you're living in integrity like, how do you know? Because, like, you're not in tune. Like, you're not listening to your body. You're not, like, it's just, it's your mind reading, like, literally, like, driving the show. Um, you're not listening to your gut. Like, you're, like, all those things are off. And they might be sending you signals. And they usually do. But you just, like, ignore it. And you just plow ahead. Because you're, like, I just need to do what's on my checklist. And then what happened for me? Because I lived like that for a long time. I was, like, oh, my God. Like, I work this hard. But I actually don't know if this is something I want. Or, like, I don't know if this is actually in line with my truth. So I think this is what um, it means like to kind of like live in integrity. Um, how about you guys? Yeah, I think, oh my God, that is just so like strong. It just like hit me like in the guts. Like I just really felt that Ellie, like beautifully mm. spoken. She said symphony. <laughs> I said chameleon with purpose. So <laughs> we know where this is going. <laughs> I think they're both like such like accurate and like descriptive ways of like just thinking about integrity so kudos to you guys um yeah so i was thinking about like integrity and like really like what does that mean for me and i think like what it means like for me is that like i just show up like as myself i think that's really what it means for me um and that like that is my true self and that like i tell the truth like to myself that like I don't change my experience to like soften the impact um, either to myself or to other people um, even when it is something that is like maybe negative sometimes and like I found that like if I don't tell the truth about it and if I just tell myself like oh like that's okay like you can do it like you don't have to you know like think about that or you know like you don't have to like process that and I just kind of like let it like sit in my body kind of like how ellie mentioned earlier then like my body would kind of like go out of whack and like it would manifest in like not being able to sleep or not being able to like focus and like it would affect like different parts of myself and so like for me it was really key to like tell the truth to myself to my soul 
and like that's where it started for me and then also being able to like always tell the truth to other people as well so like if i don't like something whether that inconveniences like that other person or not you have to speak up like you don't have to do it in you know a mean way or you have to, you don't have to do it in like a rude manner but you just um hold on to that truth and you voice it and that kind of allows almost like for the world to tune into you as well that was the experience that i had when i was trying to appear perfect and calm and happy and content about everything i was not living in integrity because i wasn't telling the truth to myself i was telling myself that it was all okay and you know like if you just don't think about it it might go away but it didn't so when i started telling the truth then the world started showing up for me like very differently i would say so i think yeah i think that's really what it means for me to tell the truth and like it's really like freedom it's freedom for yourself from what the world expects from you or what others expect of you like their biases whether they have like cultural biases whether they have like biases like because of your gender or whatever else it is you don't conform to it um i want to say and yeah just show up as yourself as your whole self not hiding parts of it not changing parts of it um and kind of embracing yourself for that yeah um thanks for sharing that yuna um so so powerful um it's so interesting how we all have like such different like takes of integrity even though um you know um you know there's a definition of integrity but like it's just really so personalized to to each of us in in its own unique way um so you know i'm just curious now like how we are now taking kind of what we think of integrity and like applying it to to ourselves in the present uh how about you start uh tk um how do you feel like you're you're showing up as your integrated self right now in the present yeah so um i talked about chameleon being a chameleon with purpose. And she's wearing green, so guys. Adjust- this is hilarious. She's wearing <laughs> green. She's literally physically dressed up as a chameleon. <laughs> it was intentional. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I, you know, I talked about, like, adjusting to different, like, situations or environment. But uh, having, you know, a true understanding of who you are and the values that you believe in. So for me you know, how I would like to show up living my integrated life and integrated self in the present moment is just having a better understanding of my personal boundaries with other people, experiences and situations, but also with myself. As I talked about, you know, coming from somebody who had intense perfectionism, it's still work in progress. So like I I do need to have boundaries with myself. Um, at the moment because it is still work in progress so I need to check in with myself Um, so for me it's like learning to stand my ground you know based on the values that I've you know identified as as my own Um, and then with that like voicing my thoughts or opinions to others depending on what my boundaries are Um, but it doesn't mean like I'm gonna communicate very harshly to other people to back off or you know you're you know, invading my boundaries or my space or you're challenging my values or what I stand or, and believe believe in. Um, but it just how to communicate that nicely to others, but also to myself. So, 
you know, if there are actions or thoughts that I'm thinking about, that I'm doing, that's not aligned with who I am now and the values that I have, then like I need to have the talk with myself or with other people um, and just being more vocal about it in a nice way is I would say how I am showing up and how I try to show up um, in the present moment uh, yeah and uh, for myself I would say um, one way I show up as more integrated currently is just understanding the types of situations where I feel uncomfortable or comfortable and understanding like why um, because I think before when I was less integrated I would just kind of like push through situations because I was like kind of almost like disassociated or like not as in tune with that side or I kind of push through and I'd be like no 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 like I'm just gonna do this because it's like the next thing on my to-do list um, but really being aware of that and tuning in has really helped because it allows me to say no to things that I know won't be serving me or will drain my energy. It allows me to have now more time um, for myself. And um, and it also allows me that those experiences I do invite in my life, I have the energy to really like push in. So it, it allowed me to go into more depth into my relationship. And I think um, like more quality over quantity type of idea um, is like huge. And I've tried to apply that more and more. And I think, you know, right now, COVID pandemic has almost like forced it even more on me um, in a good way, in a good way. Um, it's one of the silver linings, I would say, um, in that it has made my life a lot less busy and it's um you know I was getting there but I think COVID just pushed it along even more um of like really tuning in to like okay how do I feel and just being really like comfortable in my own skin and then now because I'm more comfortable when I'm uncomfortable it's like very noticeable <laughs> um that when I'm not because when you're with yourself more and like you're more in tune um with your body and gut I think when things are off I think that barometer is a little bit more more tuned yeah and I can personally say that like I was sort of a witness to like that kind of transformation and like from it's really interesting like when you speak about it like from that internal side because I feel like I experienced it like more externally like um as your friend and I really like wanted to celebrate you for that so let's do that now (laughs) yay Um, yeah, and I guess, like, for me, it really had, for me, I think it had a lot to do with, like, being in touch with my internal compass, like I mentioned earlier, and I think what that means is, like, I'm getting really specific about what emotions I'm feeling in the moment, because I think I'm, like, normally the type of person that, um, I think Ellie mentioned this earlier briefly, like, that kind of like living in the head and it's kind of like your head is like going 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 and like your emotions are kind of like not really noticed as prominently but when I try to tune into that emotion um I think they were able to give me like a lot of data they gave me like a lot of information about what do I need to do or what do I need to like prioritize and when we speak about like living um as an integrated self and when it comes to like cultural values and kind of navigating like different maybe sometimes conflicting values I think I experienced like one example I had was I always like really 
believed that keeping peace and keeping harmony was like very important and that was like a very central value that I had for a long time that was kind of like more instilled in me from my upbringing and then as I grew up um, I sometimes like felt that I was like there was a feeling of like discontent and not feeling like aligned when I try to prioritize that and so I think like over time I found out like actually like I don't want to prioritize that anymore because like that actually doesn't work for me in the present moment anymore even though it is a very um like integral like value for I mean like I guess like I'm not saying like oh I'm gonna be a terrorist like I don't care about peace like that's not what I'm trying to say but I guess what I'm trying to say is like I learned to prioritize other things um more importantly so they were they kind of like rose up in my list and uh one that really came up strongly was like authenticity so like to be authentic was now more important to me and I felt more content with myself when I prioritize authenticity in my life and how I show up and how I tell my story and how I interact with others um so I guess like that's that's one example of like how I've become more integrated and for me it was kind of reorganizing like priority list based on my internal compass of like what what the emotions are showing up for me now and what are they telling me and you know like where do I want to take that from here look at us (laughs) we've come so far (laughs) in our own way a marathon guys not a sprint look at us oh my goodness i'm just i was just kind of like listening in and i was like oh my god we've been we've been through so much i wish i could share like all the ice cream tubs with you guys right now and a bit of vodka soda and wine yes yeah but man we've come a long way pat on the back on the back yes, yes. <laughs> virtual and pat also on we're your still backs. going through it so <laughs> yeah <laughs> virtual high yeah. fives virtual high fives yes <laughs> love it and I think just to like wrap up the conversation um if we could give one advice to our audience on how to create an integrated self that pulls from both Korean and you know Canadian culture um, you know, what is that one advice that you would give to our audience? I am gonna say, go, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> um, yeah. You've been chosen. <laughs> I think the one advice definitely would be like realizing that your parents and society they do define you um, when you're younger. Until I say, like, when you develop the abilities and skills to define it for yourself. Um, this whole idea of like define yourself or society will define you and this requires like time by yourself where you really tune in to your body your mind your soul um, what I spoke to earlier and because when you're by yourself you're not as bombarded by cultural dogma and you can actually hear your inner voice which tends not to be very loud and in your face Uh, it tends to be something that comes um comes on or you can really tune in when you're more by yourself and this doesn't have to be like you have to go to like a yoga retreat you know those crazy ones where you like don't talk for like 
you know, <laughs> a week. <laughs> um, it could be just like a moment here and there. Like for me, I do like five minute intervals here and there throughout the day where I just check in. Um, really, really practical. And, and then really decide whether or not you truly agree and truly accept a way of thinking that is kind of thrust upon you uh, while growing up. So I would say that's, that's my, my big um, kind of takeaway uh, advice that I would offer. Yeah, and I guess like for me, like one like advice that I could, or I don't want to say advice, but like takeaway that I want to leave for our audience is that um, I guess it's just to have pride and like to know that we were raised and shaped with so many like diverse forces and that really puts us in a good position because it gives us like such unique perspectives like we understand a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different values and we also learn like how to prioritize them and like know what works for us so i think that puts us in a good position um to take in the best of both worlds like best of like the korean culture and the best of the canadian culture and we can shape it and make it fit as we see fit in our world and i think that actually gives us a competitive advantage and so when we are like centered and like really in tune with our compass and inner flow I think we are so well equipped like to navigate the world because like the world that's coming up on us I feel like is is very complex it's becoming increasingly more complex and all of the cultures that used to be like separated by like distance and time because of I mean like this is kind of old news I guess but you know I'm from the old generation so like oh, with the rise of the internet and like, everything <laughs> becoming are you dating yourself like, so no, much more <laughs> Well, I, um, I am dated, but <laughs> yes, um, but still, you know, thriving. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, like, I think that actually gives us a very good vantage point in interpreting things like with a very open, um, open, but centered mind. Yeah, I think my, I have two, like, points of advice. Um, I would say first one is you know, have a moment to be proud of like who you are. Like I'm very proud to be a Korean Canadian. Um, and I appreciate the values that, that I grew up with as a Korean Canadian. And that's something that I'm very proud of now. And I don't want to take, um, take it any other way. So I would say to, to our listeners, you know, be proud of who you are and being, being who you are. You may be Korean Canadian, Korean American, you know, just be proud of proud of that and then the second thing is um as i alluded to try new things like that's that's the advice that i would tell my past self and like in high school university um and just based on my experiences so far like trying new things and like putting yourself out there has been the best way to be more self-aware and to really explore and embrace you know what values truly work for you so those are my two kind of big pieces of advice that i would give to our listeners so in the next coming episodes we will be diving into different aspects of our lives like family career friendships and romantic relationships uh so we can kind of get to share more stories about how integration and culture shows up for us in these areas 
Uh, so yeah, thanks everyone. This was such an insightful, you know, soul searching conversation for us on knees, and we hope you had fun listening. Uh, we certainly did, and perhaps you were able to resonate with some of the ideas we shared. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, we are grateful that you chose to share your time with us. Thank you.